This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. We also host the annual Wake Up Festival, a five-day experience of transformation, held in August of each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. You can also join our free direct access membership program and read transcripts of all of the Insights at the Edge podcasts and search our collection of podcasts with now more than 100 episodes available. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Gabrielle Roth. Gabrielle is a best-selling author, movement innovator, and music theater director. Her workshops and retreats join the currents of world music and theater with the ancient pulse of shamanism. Through her ongoing interactive live theater, catalytic classes, and workshops around the world, Gabrielle continues to inspire and guide people on the path of shaping life itself into a work of art. She has written several books, including Sweat Your Prayers and Maps to Ecstasy. With Sounds True, Gabrielle has created three DVD programs centered on ecstatic dance called The Inner Wave, The Power Wave, and The Wave, Introductory Ecstatic Dance for Body and Soul, where she teaches a moving meditation based on five universal rhythms which flow through our lives and have the capacity to teach, catalyze, and even heal. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Gabrielle and I spoke about how the five rhythms pervade all of life, including her experience with childbirth and even her recent experience of receiving a cancer diagnosis. We also talked about how her work with the five rhythms is now being used to help people in hospitals heal from diseases like cancer, and what her hopes are for her work with the five rhythms to take hold in society. Here's my conversation with the very honest and generous Gabrielle Roth. Gabrielle, I haven't spoken with you in many years, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tammy. It's really great to reconnect. To begin with, I want to talk with you about something that's sensitive, which is as I was preparing for this conversation, I learned doing some online research that you've been diagnosed with lung cancer in the last few years. And I found many different things online, uh, including a report that you are now cancer-free. But I'd love to just hear from you what's been happening with this cancer journey and, you know, really the experience of the five rhythms, if you will, through your own cancer journey. Well, um, when you get, when you're diagnosed with cancer is a slam dunk into reality, uh, Actually, the real, reality of your ex, of the exit sign, you know. So I spent a few months staring at the exit sign. That's for sure. Um, 
And the other thing, living with cancer is like sleeping with the enemy. Um, it's it's a it's a constant it's a constant uh, it, it's something that could erupt at any moment. So it does it does kind of force feed us into the now, into being quite zen, into things that we've all been talking about and uh, thinking about and teaching and whatever for many many years um, on the human in the human potential path. Uh, so. For, the cancer makes it very real. For me, it was, um, I remember when I was this, the doctor who told me that I had lung cancer. Um, I was worried. It was in July, and I had a big workshop in California in August, and I was only concerned about that workshop and if, would I be able to get there. And um, finally, after kind of, batting back a number of my questions, he said, what I'm trying to tell you is you've just been hit by a Mack truck. And that was, like, very real. It was like, splatter! And um, and then it hit me and it came home. But I've learned so much on this journey. I'm, I'm not cancer-free. I wouldn't say that. Um, I don't know if anybody is ever truly cancer-free who's had cancer. But I'm doing very well, and, it might, and I'm very stabilized and that's a and that's a um what do you say I'm very grateful for that. It's been a long deep and and profound learning and continues to be you know when you say it's like being struck with reality, it sounds to me that many of the insights and discoveries that you had made in in your years as a dancer, performer, writer, teacher, that now, in a way, those have been tested in a certain sense. And I'm curious what you've discovered in terms of which insights you're like, oh, I know this, and which ones were like, well, that was kind of a great idea, but when push comes to shove and I got this cancer diagnosis, who knows? I don't really know. I, um, I felt like I had a self to fall back on, which was very important. And um, that I had that I had been feeding and nourishing and developing for for 50 years of practice, and that I had a practice that held me, even though I wasn't able to dance. Life is a dance, and I and I still was able to see through the perspective of the five rhythms, um, and to feel and to be in my body and to be instinctive, which was the most important thing. Of all, because you have a lot of people telling you what to do, and they all have on white coats, and you also have, um, uh, you know, information coming in from uh, your cousin and the doorman, and you know, the taxi driver's great aunt, and uh, everybody who's you meet knows somebody who is doing something with cancer, so that there is a tremendous amount of energy coming at one. Uh, when 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 we're first diagnosed with cancer, and I think that um, for me, I fell back inside of myself and just went very quiet and did not um, and just paid attention to my body. For example, the first uh, treatments that they that I w- was told I needed to have radiation and chemotherapy, my uh, whole body recoiled. It was like I was contracting, and I looked. I just saw myself. I, I thought 
the doctor was speaking, and it was like he was speaking to someone else. Um, and I just knew that that wasn't right for me at that moment. It wasn't that it isn't right, but that it wasn't right for me in that moment. I was exhausted. I had been running all over the world. I had been teaching full-time, writing, doing everything. Uh, and, you know, in the irony of, um, of spreading a practice that, that is a healing practice, and an artistic practice. And, and now I was the one who really had to uh, stop, look, and listen uh, in a very different way, in a very personal way. And um, so I actually sat on my beautiful white couch here in the, my loft in Manhattan and was just with myself and meditating and drinking my green drinks and letting go of sugar and doing some just very practical things and getting myself together and, and taking in information that was important. Like I felt uh, I found out about a man called Ralph Moss, um, who is a cancer researcher, and he was my first stop where I sent him all my information and he assesses it and then you know, gives you some recommendations about what is happening in the world of, of Western medicine and alternative medicine in your, in your particular cancer. So that was, you know, and through that source or resource, I then chose to go to Germany to a doctor in a cancer clinic. And um, I did a lot of hyperthermia and um, vitamin treatments. And I built myself up so, in, in many ways and came back and met a beautiful doctor at NYU who put me on a drug called Tarsiva, which uh, did, in fact, clear my cancer for about a year and a half or two. It's an amazing drug. It's a target drug. And I suggest to anybody who has cancer to, be, to you know, have molecular testing to see um, if any of these new target drugs are available to them and... Um, because that that's they're just a, a you know a, the next the next movement in in the field of cancer. Now, Gabrielle, you you mentioned that you were unable to dance when you received the cancer diagnosis, and through your cancer journey, I'm curious: have you been able to have a dance relationship with it, a moving relationship? Oh yes, but when I very first was diagnosed, I could barely breathe or walk. You know, so it's like, yeah, I dance now. I'm walking. I walk, you know, 30 blocks a day. I mean, I'm, you know, quite active. But in the very beginning, I was not able to dance. And what's it been like for you to work with your cancer in motion through dance? And I say that because as I was preparing for this conversation, I was reading your book, maps to ecstasy and sweat your prayers. And there's examples of people dancing through all kinds of personal pain and grief and creative discovery and processes of all kinds. And so I'm curious what it would be like as, you know, dancing through such a Mack truck experience. Well, the beauty of it is I was in the moment. The beauty of it was from years of practice, I had already kind of downloaded the past into the, into the dance. And I let pretty much let go of any grief that I was carrying or any anger that I was carrying or any fear that I was carrying 
that belonged to another time or place. So that that was extremely helpful because, of course, cancer is a very scary thing. And, uh, and, and you do come up against a lot of different things that uh, can make one quite angry. And, uh, and there are many reasons to grieve. So it, is, it was beautiful for me that I was only dealing with that and not dealing with 50 years or 60 years, you know, a backlog of emotional, of emotional baggage because that is truly difficult. You know, when you, you haven't dealt with your emotional world and suddenly you're thrust into something that, um, that really, uh, you know, push, but pushes many buttons that require feelings. And um, so I felt like my practice was doing me. I had been doing my practice for 50 years, and now my practice was doing me and, and, and moving me through, through um, life. And life for me is a dance, even when I'm sitting on the couch. It's like I'm still moving, I'm still breathing, I'm still alive. You know, it's like we're living organisms. There's no stopping of, of mm-hmm. the dance. Uh, I, I may not be jumping up or, or doing specific rhythms or, you know, running across the floor or dancing to wild music, but there's a, a many levels of dance. Life is a dance. The mind is a dance. And it was so important to me um, to recognize the, the beauty of the emptiness that my practice had created inside of me, um, that this space inside of me gave me a refuge of peace. And, and so the whole, pro- the whole process, and it's been three years now, has, there have been many, many changes, and most of them due to side effects. Most of them due to side effects um, to the various drugs that were saving my life. Um, so 99% of my discomfort has come from various side effects. And some of them very debilitating, and uh, some of them just minor irritations. Uh, but in all of that, being able to maintain my sense of humor, uh, maintain a meditative piece, a place in my mind, um, and to deal with each thing as it came up, and knowing that this too will pass, so all, all of that, you know, I can't separate all the dancing that I've done, all the emotional, the emotional embodiment, or even the mindful embodiment, because part, part of it, when we are really mindful, when we are really, our mind is embodied, our, our emotions are embodied, then we live in a fluid, intuitive, instinctive field. And in that place, we can really know no, not think about it, but know what to do from moment to moment. So that even with the chemotherapy, it's like I knew that at that moment it was not right for me, and my doctors agree now I would, have, I would be dead had I done that. Uh, it would, I would not have survived. And um, every part of me knew that. So I think the dance has brought, has brought me to the bare bones of me, and to a, 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 a sweet emptiness in me that allowed me to really pay attention to the inner movements of my, of my deepest being 
that part of me that's hooked up to what I call divine intelligence, you know, that force that's moving through all of us that is bigger than any of us, and that this um, this faith in this intel, intel um, rather than a constant going up to my little uh, little mind, my little head, my little head tripper, and checking my emails and my emails, and you know, and 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 going through a whole ego process about every decision. It was more like sitting quiet till I know what to do. And I've gone through many over the last three years, several at least moments of transition where I really. Um, fell back into this part of me for periods of time while I, made, while I waited to know what to do next. And this is, I think, the key, because in the field of cancer, actually nobody knows. Uh, nobody really knows what to do or what exact dosage or, you know, it's all experimental. Uh, most doctors will tell you they really, you know, they're going on the best case scenario, but there are a lot of unknown factors. And so the the best hope for one is to be really in touch with one's own instinctive self and to really intuitive self and to pay attention to that. Some things are right for you in a moment and other things are not. And it doesn't matter what the person next to you or the person in front of you or behind you, what result they have had. Um, It's quite personal. I'm curious about something because in immersing myself in your work in preparation for this conversation, the five rhythms, flowing, staccato, chaos, lyrical, and stillness, flow through the way that you teach. And as I was reading about these five rhythms, I was thinking, do they really flow through everything the way that Gabrielle describes it? Is there some sixth rhythm that maybe she hasn't mapped? And, and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are about that, especially in light of your experience over the last three years. Well, I would say that it has... Um only deepened my resonance with the five rhythms because what I was actually just describing as I think about it, if I look at it through the perspective of the five rhythms, is boom, you're given a diagnosis of anything or something. The first step is to let it in, you know, to really let it in and to... um, kind of go with the flow of it and to, to receive information, you know, to, to be receptive, which is the teachings of the rhythm of flowing. And once one has let it enough information in that you feel ready, then come the staccato, you, you know, we make, we make a decision, we make an action, we come out, we uh, go into action, we uh, say, yes, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go here, or I'm going to... St- choose this doctor or, you know, you, you go into the staccato and everything seems secure and organized for a while. And then you go onto your protocol, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, of course, then you enter into the creative maelstrom of, of chaos and, uh, and, and really um, in, in the cancer, you know, living through 
uh, whatever drug you are being given, living through this, going through all the changes and um, ups and downs of it, and um, and and finally finding a place where you settle into the into a more lyrical stage of of really being at at home with and in tune with your um, the rhythms that it has created inside of you. You know, for example, like now I can I I see there is a a logic and a, and a rhythm to some degree to my treatments and like after so many days I can expect this and that and you know I have some kind of uh, more lyrical a relationship to it. Okay, you know, for a couple of days I'm going to have this acne on my face like a teenager. You know, so okay, that's going to be it. I'm not going to schedule a film, a filming um, in those two days. And it, it's and some things can knock you off the wall and come off. You know, not the expected. The unexpected is always quite fair. But there is this rhythm to things, and then there's this place of peace with whatever it is you've chosen to do. You know, whatever it is you've chosen to do, you're doing it. And there's no reason to second-guess it or, or to fight it or resist it. You just go into a still place with it, like this is what I'm doing right now um, to, uh, to support myself in, in my healing. Um, I don't, like, go with the word, like, fighting cancer. Like, I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. Um, you know, I have people around me saying, we're going to fight this thing. And it's like, I, I thought, no, I'm not going to fight this thing. I'm going to surrender to the reality of it and move with it and and try to be a smart, you know, try to outwit it as long as I can or to at least um, um, find a way to be with it. And I think that that's been really important attitude for me is to be with it, not, not, to, not to feel victimized by it, not to feel... Um, like uh, freaked out by it, but just this is what I'm living with. Would it be fair to say that you've been dancing with cancer? I have been dancing with cancer. Mm-hmm. That's a quite fair thing to say. That's exactly what I've been doing cheek to cheek. And, um, you know, and I think I, it has, there, there have been studies showing that uh, there is an efficacy to the five rhythms with other cancer patients beside myself that have been done scientifically in hospitals. And so it, it, is, it is a fabulous practice for people who are, I don't like the word survivor either, it's not a good one for me, but uh, for people who are living with uh, either the, the, the post, the pre, or the you know, cancer um, diagnoses and treatment, it is a fabulous practice because it gives us a way to ground, you know, to root the self, to to be sexy and juicy, and uh, to be rhythmic and uh, real and raw and vulnerable, and um, that it is a safe place to creatively let go of a lot of pent up frustration or tension or um, confusion, all of which all of which come with life as well as cancer, and it's just a fabulous way to release the past so that the mind can be really empty so that it can, all these uh, inner worlds can flow together into some intelligence that makes sense, you know, that that supports us and that is not self-destructive but moving in the creative. You know, the five rhythms are the DNA of the creative process. 
So they they are a key to how how things move and change. And when I really knew this was when I had my baby and my body went through the five rhythms, organically giving birth so that I had my flowing contractions and then they got more percussive and staccato and then it got very chaotic and I was doing my little dog pant, you know, and then the baby's coming down and through the channel there and uh, you go into a trance. It's like otherworldly. And uh, and then, you know, the baby comes and out and boom, and then you have a baby on your breast or at least close to it. And it's a, a miracle. It's, it's a stillness, a peacefulness, a, com- a sense of compassion that I have never felt in any other way. And I think that that's when I knew, oh, my God, this is like the DNA of the creative process, which was encoded in the feminine, in the, in the female body. Um which is why, you know, people have always said, well, why is all this great art done by men? Well, because they were all given birth to by a mother. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and in some ways, a child is, a, is your, your greatest art form. And, um, and not to say that because as women, we can go on to create many other things because we are amazing artists. But we also, I think, have a, a, a sense of that creative process and... Um, that comes from an internal wisdom that is eternal. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. Sounds True hosts an annual wake-up festival, a five-day experience of transformation held in August of each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. This is a gathering of spiritual teachers, artists, poets, and anyone interested in the many faces of awakening. For more information about the Wake Up Festival, please visit soundstrue.com forward slash wake up. And now back to Insights at the Edge. What occurs to me as you're talking about the five rhythms in birth is how the five rhythms might relate to the death process, which, as we know, is also a highly creative process and true to our bodies, indigenous to who we are. And I'm sure this is something you've given some thought to, so I'm curious what you think about that. Well, you know, it is something that I haven't given a lot of thought to, Tammy, but it is something that I have viscerally and kinesthetically experienced. Um, for sure, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I figured I had, you know, a few months to live. I mean, nobody said gave me any timeline. I just was so weak, and you know, I could barely I could barely walk from my bed to down the hall to my couch. So you know, it didn't look very good. Um, I certainly wouldn't have expected the turnaround that occurred. So I was looking at it then. I was quite peaceful with it. It was a bit sad, and I felt slightly unfinished, but uh, I don't think anybody ever really feels totally complete. Um, But I was at peace with it. And then when it all turned around on me, I I think that was more um, 
that was more shocking. I, I actually spent a couple of months trying to integrate that, that I was, that I was so much better. Um, and on the way, I've, you know, I've, I haven't experienced the death yet, so I haven't experienced the five rhythms of death. You know, I, I'm expecting that I will. And recently I almost died from a hemorrhage through my nose, mm. um, which was a very bad, which was a, a reaction to a drug. And sadly, not a very uncommon reaction to a drug called Avastin. Um, so that was a very in-your-face kind of no time for five rhythms, uh, you know, just bleed and breathe and pray that it stops. And it was very difficult. It didn't stop for five days. So uh, it was like living with that that sudden realization, oh, my God, you know, this is it. This could be really it. Um but I have to say, beyond that, there was no other thinking. I don't know if it was because it was so encompassing and I was so tired and shocked that I wasn't you know, too stunned to think or what, but I wasn't thinking, I can tell you that. Hmm. I remember thinking, oh, if I had only known this, I would have done, you know, I would have, uh, you know, you leave the house one day and... Um, you expect to come back. And there's a story I remember from Carlos Castaneda when I'm in the 60s reading all the Carlos Castaneda books. And uh, I remember him saying in one of the Don Juan books that he never left, he always left his house, his apartment, like he was never coming back. That that's what living life in the present was that you walk out the door and it wouldn't make any difference if you ever walked back in. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody, I, I just, I can't, I don't know if it was a character in a movie or if it was, you know, somebody told me, but I, I remember hearing recently that somebody saying that um, when they thought they were going to be shot, I guess, uh, they thought about their underwear. I mean, I think it's the ridiculous things like this that occur. Um, but like I said, having not died yet, I, 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 uh, I have been on the outside of death with many people, including my own father, whom I went through the whole process with, and that was very, very beautiful and peaceful. Um, but I haven't sat around choreographing my own because I, I've learned one thing from, from cancer. It's that it's so unexpected and um, that it would be ridiculous to plan anything, which I've always thought anyway. I mean, the one part of my work that I've always hated was having to plan the future. You know, say, I will do this then. I don't even like making... Um, phone uh, appointments, anything. You know, it's like I, I've never been uh, quite really friendly with the future. 
Now, Gabrielle, a couple things. One, I just want to thank you for just being so vulnerable and heartful and sharing your experience. I know so many people have looked to you now for decades as a pioneer, as a way shower, and that you've done that through your work with dance and music and teaching. And here you are helping us understand through your own experience something quite difficult. So thank you. I mean, you, you, you don't have to be talking to me right now about this, and yet you are. So thank you. Well, I don't think that we can, quote, understand it. But I think that we can learn to dance with it and to um, to build the territory in which it is occurring, you know, to um, to keep feeding the healthy part of oneself and to keep feeding emotionally, physically, and mentally to um, to feed ourselves with with the nutrients and the, and then that we need. Um, So that that's the thing that we all can do. And it's, of course, very advisable to have a practice before you ever are given some incredible diagnoses that you have to deal with. It's, it's advisable to have a practice because the practice is what comes, is there to save you in the moment that, of need. It's, um, it's the enduring sense of practice that we, we have something that we do every day, whether we feel good or bad or you know, uh, happy or sad, we, we have a practice that we do that, that we, we learn to move through all these changes and, and nuances um, and, and to, keep, uh, to keep ourselves fluid and in touch with ourselves so, so that we need a practice that really um, allows us to get to know ourselves in a very deep way. And so you know certain things about yourself that you've really learned and you apply them when you actually really need them, like in matters of life and death. And so all the things that I've ever taught, or the five rhythms, are based in very practical wisdom, very practical wisdom that comes from the body first. And, and by be, being grounded in the body, which most people are really not, being really grounded and comfortable in the body, and then learning to be really grounded and comfortable emotionally, and then being really grounded and and um, comfortable mentally. In other words, to not be have a head that's filled with theories and beliefs and fears and anxieties and all of this, but to to actually have an empty mind, a mind that is that is fluid and capable of of making instinctive, intuitive choices that only you can make. I mean, this is a, the five rhythm practice. It's very personal. It's a, it's a practice that, that kind of says, go, you know, you're the, you're, the, you're the teacher here. The five rhythms are the master. They're like the master. They're, they're, um, they're this fluid thing that we'll never really get a grip on. But they're, they're, they're an energy. They, they are an energetic language that allow us to see ourselves and everything else in motion. And the very few things in life that are fixed, as fixed, you know, but that's very few things. What are those things that are fixed? Well, like birth through death, for example. You know, nobody goes from birth to maturity, then goes back to childhood, dies, and then comes back a teenager, although most people would like that. 
Um, but but life has this organic, the laws of nature, you know, of the rhythms of nature, that are that are that are predictable. But inside of that, everything else is unpredictable. So it's predictable that I will be born, but not predictable how I will be born or to whom I will be born or, uh, you know, where I will be born or, you know, everything else is is fluid. So it's learning to live with that unknown, the unexpected, to uh, that my practice is about. It's about learning to dance with the unknown and to be comfortable there. To dance in the chaos, you know, to dance in the, and, and now this is a time of chaos. Like this is our, our, our rhythm of our times. We have come out of a very staccato period of millennium where, you know, things were fixed. This was the border. This was the king. These were the hierarchies. This was the authority. Women do this. Men do that. You know, all of this has broken down. Everything is breaking down. And so we are living in a time of, of chaos. And if that goes into the shadow, then we'll be living in confusion, too many choices, too much input, uh, ungrounded, <clears throat> emotionally unstable. You know, it's, if, we, if we go into the shadow of it, it's a maelstrom. It's, it's really uh, it's like a tornado. It's like living in a tornado. Um, but if we ground it, it's like living in the internet, you know. It's like having uh, many possibilities and being aware of which ones are potent for oneself right this moment, and um, and all the lines and boundaries are dissolving. So it's a, a, an amazing time for entrepreneurial sensibilities, and um, it's amazing come to Jesus time. For anybody who's attached to, you know, very strong lines and boundaries, um, because they're all wavy right now. So I, I think, um, and dancing the chaos as a practice just prepares us and, and familiarizes us with and gives us an intimate relationship to the energetic of our times and of our mind. The mind is like, living inside of a Robin Williams monologue. It's that freestyle, crazy free will kind of um, motion. The motion of the mind is, is magnificent. It's like powerful and, and evocative and just so juicy and creative. It's, it's like poetic. You know, we all have this incredible poetic intelligence that we rarely use. And I like to, in our practice, we use it on each other, you know, to really take in the other with this poetic mind, to take in the other with this intuitive and instinctive mind, and to build relationships that are spontaneous and honest. And that, that would be one of the primary goals of, of the five rhythm practice is to make real connections and to, and to um, you know, vibrate in a real community and to uh, be a living force of creativity so that this, it's, it's not about dancing. The dance is just the language. For me, it was the language that, the only language that I could communicate what I was 
experiencing. Um, when I danced, when I watched other people move, um, when I had a conversation on a bus or in a taxi, I mean, it's all, for me, a dance. I'm curious when you talk about the importance of having a practice so that you're prepared and ready no matter what happens to you in your life. I, of course, understand a bit about the dance practice of the five rhythms. I've been to some of your public events where people are taken through with different kinds of music these five different rhythmic states and dance in different ways to each one. But I'm curious for you, I know that this practice has become quite subtle inside your body and what that subtlety of working with this practice inside of you feels like to you. Gosh, I have no idea how to answer that. Um, I think it's always been subtle for me. I can't... um, The part of me that is, um, I would say, identified with the the fluidity or the um, that which is moving and changing, um, has been the part of me that's been talking about this, teaching this, breaking this down um, from my early twenties. So, in some funny way, I can say that that part of me hasn't really changed. Uh, My language has deepened. My my um, observations, you know, I have many more to pull from. Um, I have like 220 or more teachers out there, you know, so I've trained a lot of other people, which is stepping back from something you do and instinctively, intuitively do, and actually turning it into a practice, a teaching practice for others. Because I look at it all as a practice. Like, I don't even like the word teacher, really. I, I think we're all friends on the spiritual path, and that, um, uh, but some of us, that 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 uh, dynamic uh, is our is our spiritual practice. You know, is that place where we have to show up? We have to um, uh, learn how to language something. We have to learn how to, you know, be present. Uh, how to be honest. You know, we, we learn you know very real things, things that are, apply to every other part of our lives, but. Um, so I don't know. That's the only way I know how to answer that particular question. Is I don't. That part of me isn't, doesn't feel any different at this age than I did when I was twenty. My body feels different. Yeah, and when you discovered that you had cancer, and here you are, it's about relating to your body in this very, very, very intimate way. Was there any sense that you were then repelled by your body or wanted to distance yourself from your body? I mean, how did you work with that? No, I didn't have that sense at all. No, I felt a little apologetic to my body. Like, oh, my God. Because, you know, for at least two years I was walking around going, I am so tired. I am so, so far beyond tired. And then I would... uh, I, I was seeing, oddly enough, some doctors, but they didn't pick up on what what was the underlying root of my tiredness. So I probably was walking around with this for a few years, they tell me. And uh, 
So I felt rather apologetic to my child, uh, to my child, to my body, my child. You know, like I, I had to now stop everything and mother my 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 little child body. You know that was really suffering, and to stop and really listen to myself. Yes, you you were really tired, and you had very good reason to be really tired, idiot. You know, it's like, you know, I spent about a minute there, but for the most part, I would say that um, I, I just felt very um, lovable toward my body. Mm-hmm. And um, in a funny way, my world from very early on has been about others. And uh, one of the things that, one of the positive side effects of this whole journey has been that for at least the first couple of years, my life for for the first time in my life was all about me. Hmm. Um, Now, some people, it's always, that's the way it is for them now. And for some people in a very beautiful, positive, healthy way, and for other people in a very negative ego way, it's, you know, where it's all about me. But for me, this was the first time that it was really all about me. And uh, where I got up in the morning and I didn't have to please perform or do anything for anyone else. I had Everything that I had to do was in support of my own self and my own life and my own body and my health. So that was a complete reversal from the way that I have always been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something I've known about and that I teach about, but it wasn't something I was very good at practicing. Like I would put off eating if I were hungry and something else had to be done, or, you know, minor basic things, fundamental things, which probably in the end result all fed into this uh, this current situation. And um, so in that way it was a blessing you know, to, uh, to, to really fall into my relationship with myself. And I like myself. I like my company. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a good friend. <laughs> I'm a good friend to myself. It's like I, I don't need a lot of things or people to engage me or um, I don't need a lot from the outside. So uh, it was a very peaceful time. You know, and then I came back. Then I started coming back and teaching, and you know, then the world. Now I'm now I'm now I'm uh, traversing two worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, now I'm trying to stay with that part of myself that I've learned how to really support and engage in, and 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 take care of in a very fundamental way to mother myself, and then to also to also be present there for my world. For whom I've never really been a mother. I've mostly been more like a, a, a an erratic teenage boy, but um, you know, with wild dreams and um, kind of punk rock boots. But it's uh, they kind of kicked butts <laughs> and got them moving. But so that you know that part's coming back, and I'm I'm hoping just to to keep this other. Well, I know I will keep this other part of myself going. So it's like integrating some lost piece of my soul. So that's that's the the positive uh, effect of all of this. So I've integrated a piece 
of Gabrielle's lost soul that was homeless. Hmm. And uh, she is now, like, she's got a spacious pad inside of me. She's in my feet. She's in my fingers. She's between my toes. She's in my neck. You know, there's a part of me, this awareness of my needs has been fully integrated into my everyday moments. And I'd say that's a blessing. That's beautiful. I just have one final question for you, Gabrielle. You said that there was a sense when you received the diagnosis of what you still wanted to accomplish, and that perhaps all of us have that at some point, what we still yet want to accomplish. But I'm curious for you, what is that? What are those things that you found yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, the five rhythms um, were one of the things that I had just started right before I was diagnosed with cancer was the five rhythms reach out, which is the nonprofit side of my work where we're really reaching out to uh, kids and elders and in hospitals and jails, uh, in every possible, I can't even think, in schools, in environments, you know, going back to the public sector and taking it out of this kind of uh, relatively precious human potential movement into where it came from. You know, it came from the street, it came from playgrounds, it came from senior centers. That's where I developed this work. It came from the backwards of, of, of mental hospitals and, and recovery centers. And that's where I developed the five rhythms initially. So my, my dream has always been to, to develop the service uh, arm of, of the five rhythms work because it's uncanny, but it crosses borders and cultures and, and uh, age groups, and it just seems to speak. It has a universal uh, tone. It seems to be heard by all. You know, and so a 90-year-old in Bogota is as affected by a 10-year-old in Cambodia. So, I, you know, I, I can only stand in awe of it and just say, my God, you know, and felt like it was really my mission or my part of my, my uh, purpose and service to, to make sure that it was going back and reaching out in, in all directions. So that I've been able to get much more on board here. Thank you. That was good. Thank you, universe. And uh, the other part was um, theater has been an ongoing aspect of my work from the beginning, and um, and I've always wanted to develop a piece that really kind of embodied all my my the things I've learned in a really artful, fun way, and um, I hadn't really completed that, so I'm working on that right now. You know, so and everything else was peripheral, but those two things were very important. Of course, you never feel really, I don't know if you ever feel complete with um, the people you love, because there's always could be one more day you could love them, you know. Um, but I've been, I think life has been so generous to me. I mean, I have wonderful, wonderful, deep, profound friendships and family. You know, my my world of relationship has been really good and sweet and um, supportive. And that has gone into my work, too. I feel very um, positive about all my teachers and and the work that's being done in, in, the, in the five rhythm field. So it's just a blessing all the way around. 
And I honestly feel that regardless of what we're working with, whatever, you know, whether you have arthritis or or cancer or uh, obesity or some obstacle, you know, that we're working with, that the most important thing is feeding the positive and really allowing it to grow bigger than the negative. It's like this is the way I've always looked at life. It's um, It would be, you know, one thing I could have made a choice in my 20s to stop and work with the ego part of the self, you know, try to help people work things out or, you know, I don't know, tell their stories, whatever. And uh, Or I, I chose to work with what I saw emerging was this powerful spark, this um, this fire, this light inside of everyone. And I always felt like if I could get that bigger, it would uh, envelop the shadow, you know, and unite itself with the dark, the beauty of the dark, the empty, the spacious, the void, the, the you know, the, the mystery of it all. And that, that, um, that I just chose to put my, my attention and my energy in... Um, on the dance, on the soul, on the uh, part of us that um, um, needs the right to party. What's the BC boy say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the right to party. You know, the part of it, let the soul really come forward. And then a lot of the other things tend to disappear or dissipate or just seem meaningless and ridiculous. I'm talking about the little ego part of us that would criticize and judge and control and compare and, you know, just um, analyze and just do all the things that it does uh, that are boring and repetitive and fixed and predictable um, and move into the part of us that is, you know, generous and, and fabulous and feisty and, and forever. Beautiful. I've been speaking with Gabrielle Roth, the pioneering innovator of the Five Rhythms training, and she's created what sounds true three DVDs. The Wave, which is the classic DVD which introduces people to dancing with the Five Rhythms. You can have the experience and develop a daily practice working with the Wave. Also, the Power Wave, which is a high-velocity ecstatic dance workout DVD as well as a third DVD called The Inner Wave, A Meditative Trance Dance Journey. And all three of these programs are available in a boxed set called The Ecstatic Dance Collection. If you're interested in more information about Gabrielle's work and her foundation, you can find that information at www.gabrielroth.com. Gabrielle, thank you so much for being with us on Insights at the Edge and really being, as you always are, on your edge and sharing from that place. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy. SoundsTrue.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.